Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. You know, it seems like when you own your own home, the problems just pile up. The flag smashers turn your power off. The water pump gets taken out of the entire mechanism. You have to hand fashion your own shield just to get the job done. That's why we are happy to say that this week's episode of Everything is Super is sponsored by Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. The world outside your window may not be great. In fact, it might be a little bit dark because the Black Smashers turned off the lights. But we are a candle in the darkness because everything is super here as we're talking the penultimate episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the word that we love to throw around on this podcast. Hello, everybody. Mike Bloom here to wrap up yet another eventful episode of this series as we begin to turn the corner into the finale and see what exactly happens. All the chess pieces are coming together, but I have no idea what game we're going to be playing here. Uh, we're going to have a really fun time talking about this as the panel is back together. The, the the big three are reunited once more. First off, I had to pull this guy out of the forge where he was working on his own hand-fashioned shield, a la John Walker, Kevin Mahadeo. Kevin, how are you? Um, burned uh, from, you know, I, I thought watching a lot of Forge and Fire would help me. Uh, in this crafting of a shield, but <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> I have not been wrong. Is, is, is that that History Channel show, right? That, that, is that, that, that makes people girl. compete in creating weapons? Yes, I'm bizarrely obsessed with it. <laughs> and I've watched almost every episode <laughs> over the course of the past year, specifically. <laughs> LT, what I know we're welcoming you back to the podcast, <laughs> but I have to ask for your first reaction to the new discovery that Kevin Mahadeo <laughs> is a Forged in Fire super fan. I, now that I know that the show exists and the name of it i i'm not surprised kevin <laughs> forged in fire mahadeo it's true <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's his full name um but also it, not only does it make sense but it's also like what <laughs> yes. what what are you yes. saying about what you say, it's a good way to describe uh the mcu's television project at large right like it makes <laughs> a lot of sense but at the same time like what? Because we have yet yeah. another huge episode. I think this one is like we're really hitting that 60 minute mark nearly on this series. And a lot of stuff happened while at the same time, this did sort of seem like if we're going back to uh, comparing this to the six hour movie, this very much felt like the end of act two. The heroes are at are, you know at their lowest point and they sort of settled in for one final breath before they take the final deep dive into the big battle at the end. Latanya, we of course missed your great presence 
last week. But between last week and oh, this I week, what, what what are what are your thoughts on the back half of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier so far? Between last week and this week, is there anything about last week you want to talk about or tie into this week in particular? Well, I thought last week's episode was better than this week's episode. I think people are going to be surprised by this because one of the things that I really like are character driven uh, dialogue heavy episodes about, you know, just kind of like taking time to stop down and like, think about the meaning of what's happened to you and like, you know, build up to the, to the finale. But I also feel like because this is an only six episode run, uh, possibly whittled down from 10 because of COVID things, but we can talk about that later. Uh, that I needed more in this fifth episode. And I was looking, I was waiting for something to happen. And I think that that anticipation and I'll also explain more about why I anticipated in that way, kind of ruined my experience of the episode. Mm. Um, And I don't know whose fault that is. It's probably my fault in the same way that every Marvel fan like geeks out about what they think might happen in an upcoming episode. But considering that this was touted as from the very beginning, like if things don't make sense to you now, episode five is going to clear everything up. Also episode five is going to be a total tearjerker. So like, make sure you watch out for that. And this is coming from Malcolm Spellman and other people are very involved in the production. And so I was looking for more And I feel like for me, there wasn't enough there there to justify the emotionality that I was hoping to feel in those moments uh, when we see things like the kids playing with the shield or, you know, like his uh, one of his nephews just kind of being like, whoa, and like, you know, feeling what the shield feels like the whole montage scene, all of that stuff in its in and of itself. There are pieces of this episode that I found were great. But the whole is not there for me. I mean, this is why I also <laughs> avoid every piece of like these interviews. It's like it's like Wanda too, right? Like where it's just like, um, oh, there's gonna be a Luke Skywalker level cameo. To be fair, that was just a a clickbait headline that isn't what she said. And Paul Bettany's like jab, which I do think is funny. <laughs> but like, hilarious. yeah, it, there's so much, there's a lot of buildup, and I can only imagine like hearing stuff like. I'm also I'm also me, right? Like if anyone tells me like, oh, get the tissues ready, you're gonna cry. It's just like, oh yeah, try and make me mother. You know, like, yeah. like I'm ready you to can't just... tell me what to do. My yeah. dad's not a phone. I... <laughs> My dad's not a phone. <laughs> not a part of your system. <laughs> your system, man. Um, I actually, when I was writing out my why, I was a little bit hesitant to even talk about my issues with the episode because of what I've seen so far on Twitter, at least with the people that I follow um, and keep in close contact with is that they love this episode. And so I, mm. I don't want to like be the one who gets on here and is like, no, you're wrong. I mean, that's my I job did, usually. Right. That's, that's Kevin's job. But I did preface it by saying, I now understand why Kevin neither watches the promotional materials for the show nor reads anything about the show when it's happening because i i really do feel like that mcu expectation like media machine has a lot to do with fans enjoyment of their product yeah i mean not only that the penultimate episode of wandavision was also like arguably quote-unquote tear-jerking right this was like the entire examination of wanda's grief and so and i think the adage of modern television as well 
uh, which sort of started, I think, all the way back in The Wire, was, okay, the finale's got some big stuff, but that penultimate episode is usually when, you know, they pull out all the stops. And you'd imagine they're like, especially with Malcolm Spellman helping to feed this fire, much mm-hmm. like The Forge, oh man, they're mm-hmm. really going to fashion a, a good weapon here. And, and what I will say overall is, I really enjoyed a lot of this episode. I think that there were certainly some pacing issues. As I said, it was the longest episode yet, but I don't know if it needed to be. Maybe, maybe save one of those montages for the finale. But there's a You're lot of really good montage, stuff Mike. <laughs> exactly. Even Rocky <laughs> had a montage. I mean, Rocky's got all the good montages. I love a good Rocky montage. Um, I, I, I like a lot of this episode's pieces. Um, and I, it's weird to land on like, did I like this episode or not? Cause as much as I love the pieces, I felt the pieces were also wrong. Um, like wrongly placed, I guess is, is the better statement. Um, so for example, I, I feel like as much as I really love the Sam and Bucky stuff here, part of me is just like, why don't you paste this out in other parts of the series so far it all felt like happening all at once and i think character wise it made sense to happen here because of everything they went through but it felt like almost like this was a setup for them then going on the mission that they end up going on against the flag smashers to begin with versus maybe mean a flag smashers again like honestly everything sam and bucky everything sam at the end felt like i wrote down like did they cut this wrong did we get the wrong cut because this felt like the ending of the series this felt like maybe what originally happened even was like that shot of him training and then opening the case felt like, and then cut. And that's the last we see until he debuts in a movie. Like that's what that felt like. That's how that setup felt like. And and you're right. Act two is where the heroes are supposed to be at their lowest low, but this isn't that this ended with the heroes at their highest high coming out. Everyone came out. Well, Sam and Bucky specifically came out almost done with their character arc and journey here, which is a weird placement. Even the conversation between Sam and Bucky felt like it was a final conversation. It was so weird to me because they're there talking and it's just like, well, we're not partners and, you know, or, you, you know, we're, we're friends, but they actually, they actually reference what I said. Um, I think on this podcast in the first one where I compared their relationship coming in to Seinfeld because I was like, oh, it's like how George and Elaine in that episode are like, they're friends with Jerry. But without Jerry, how do they hang out? I and can't that- believe you, you can't believe you spoiled us. You I know. You spoiled us. A Julia it was I left you all the clues. But well, that ending, though, when they're like saying, like, Bucky's like, all right, well, if you ever need me, just give me a call. I'll see you, buddy. It felt like this, like, goodbye. But I'm like, but you know you're going to see each other you're like gonna two need, days. Yeah, just stay like, there. Just, right, where you, are you going? Like it's, like, it's like if I said this tearful goodbye... And then you're like, but we have dinner plans like in two days. <laughs> like we wrote it down, and it's just like, shh, don't ruin just it. Just stay there it. and flirt with Sarah. Yeah, it's it's a, oh it's, it was, yeah. It was I'm weirdly <laughs> cut and it was weirdly paced to I'm, have some of this stuff. I'm all in on sucky, by the way. I think that. Oh is- no, no, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> We've got to call Full it bloom. anything but that. <laughs> I mean, uh, listen, Barra is that the other barracuda? We can maybe call them because uh, they're swimming <laughs> like a fish. Well, okay, so, so we got a lot to talk through, but I, I do so want things. to start with, ironically, something that took 30 seconds, but I think is far and away the thing that has lit the internet on fire uh, in the past day or so. Which is, and I'm making reference to her in my little lower third here, Julia Louis G.D. Dreyfus makes yeah. her Lena Mucker, Elaine Bennis here, <laughs> hanging out in Washington, uh, showing up. You know when John Walker is at his lowest low, which I'm sure we'll get into, and she shows up 
as uh okay i gotta get the full name here i keep like it's almost like a dot contessa from uh allegra de Fontaine. yeah contessa valentina allegra de Fontaine, Fontaine. anana banana fofana just call her dot uh val <laughs> aka madam hydra i want well, to we don't kevin... know that for sure i know yet. i know but let's go to kevin <laughs> comics corner for a second to get a little bit of background on this character for those that are not in the know so this character is really interesting in that, uh, you know, you have the Madame Hydra reference, but that is a more recent development for this character. The character was originally introduced m- many, many moons ago, long before all three of us were born um, in the comics it, as part of um, S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, this was a character that was introduced as an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., had a uh, relationship with Nick Fury, was basically a like not Maria Hill style, but like very close to that, like partnership with Nick Fury um, for a, a long more side, like yeah, uh, level, yeah. Right? I mean, uh, in more yes. ways than one emphasis on relationship with Nick Fury. Yes. I do believe they were romantic as well. They were. And so um, she was a character for a long time uh, in that regard. And then uh, relatively recently uh, during a comic event, um, not even event uh, series, secret, secret, there's so many secrets. Not invasion. I think, I think it's warriors. Secret warriors. warriors. Yeah. There's there's invasions. There's warriors. There's war. Anyway, so secret warriors. Uh, it's revealed that she's a double agent. That she was actually like a Russian spy the whole time, and that she's actually the new Madame Hydra, who is essentially the leader of Hydra. Uh, which was really like a surprise and twist and awesome. And so there's a lot of ways they can play that here because we know there's a Nick Fury show coming up. So is she? recruiting John to be a part of that secret team because secret warriors is essentially a Nick Fury secret team. It's what agents of shield basically were more agents of shield erasure for those people who love that. Um, (laughs) So like, could that be what's going on? Like she's working with him and then it'll be like a big reveal later that like the Hydra part comes out. There's a lot of interesting stuff, but her introduction to this show is huge. And to the MCU is huge. And yeah, the character, but also because Julia, we drive this (laughs) like, fellow Northwestern grad I need to add um, (laughs) Julia Louis-Dreyfus who is so funny just so good good. she's a comedic genius just one of the funniest people ever like Mm -hmm. on the planet right now especially I cannot get over how much I love Veep I still watch episodes of Veep to like make myself feel feelings Uh, but also you know she walks in she looks fantastic she's got on some great Maybe they're Bottega Veneta. Who's to say uh, the brand of the boot? But they look wonderful. I didn't see any red uh, red bottoms. But um, she comes in and she completely <laughs> ignores the existence of his wife and just sits between the two of them. She gives them a blank card that I'm sure with some type of magic or chemical might actually say something and uh, essentially goes on to say, uh, just call me Val, only don't call me Val. Call me Val in your head. And confuses the hell out of a recently, like, censured and, you know, uh, essentially thrown away uh, John Walker. And just says, wait for my call. It's a, it's such yeah. a great entrance because it's, it's just a wait for my call. And my understanding is that if it hadn't been for all of the, um, you know, the fallout from COVID, um, that she would have originally appeared in um, the Black Widow movie. Yes. So I think she still is supposed to be slated to be in that movie, but they decided to have her do a cameo here, which I thought was, I, I will take Julie Louis-Dreyfus Louis whenever I can get her. 
I'll yeah, take I mean, now. She, she approaches Walker and she says, you can be my bodyguard. I can be your long lost pal. Just call me Val, but don't call me Val. Uh, yeah, I mean, I have I have huge ideas about where this is going, but I would love to pick your brains. Because like you said, I believe it's a, an interview with Vanity Fair recently came out that said that Latanya is indeed correct. Uh, Val was supposed to debut in Black Widow, but obviously this comes first from a chronological perspective. Kevin, I know this is new information to you. Mm-hmm. What what do you, what is your reaction to that? What do you think that implies about where this character might be going? Well, now I'm like wondering: is it is it Nick Fury in Secret Warriors? Or is it Thunderbolts? Because like if yeah, I think if, Thunderbolts. Uh, yeah, if if which is which is a more again new new modern version of the Thunderbolts, more or less. But if you if you have John and you have possibly Elena now mm-hmm. um, as as members of this. Like if she is the new Nick Fury, right? Like if she wasn't a debut in Black Widow, which was what the original kickoff to Phase Four, right? Like we always mm-hmm. kept yes. talking, what's what's Phase Four? What's Phase Four going to be? Um, why Black Widow? She could be the anti Nick Fury cameo. She could mm-hmm. be the post credit maybe originally post-credit coming in to be like, have you heard of the Thunderbolts initiative, right? Like it's the opposite here where you have her coming in, recruiting Elena, then now recruiting John possibly into the Thunderbolts, the anti-Avengers Avenger, basically. Uh, that's really, really interesting. And oh God, I'm doing it. I'm getting into that fan territory and getting like, theorizing it. And I don't want to yeah. do it, but that is interesting. And I think that could be cool. Honestly, there's a lot of ways it could go and I'd be okay with it. So uh, I'm fine because either way, it seems to mean more Drew Louis-Dreyfus. So uh, yeah, that's good for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I am, I'm all in on because i totally agree that i think it's either going to be thunderbolts it might even be dark avengers too because mm-hmm. it's, it's sort of like what norman osborne did of like, like this is our mm-hmm. captain america but it's actually john walker this is our hawkeye but it's actually yep. elena uh so i am well, hawkeye wasn't elena that was bullseye, no, yes. that was bullseye which was, uh, <laughs> even worse so i don't know we haven't seen elena yet so we're not sure how many people she's gonna kill but i, I already am- love her <laughs> yeah, I, I already i cannot Explored wait if, there, so. if, if for some reason we have Julia Louis-Dreyfus becoming like the de facto Norman Osborn of the MCU. I'm going to do like backflips. Now, again, like Kevin said, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. It's also wild to me. I I don't think I ever would have thought the first like Seinfeld mainstay actor or actress to make their MCU debut would be Julia Louis-Dreyfus. I'm not sure. Maybe I thought like Patrick Warburton would for some reason be the first one to do so, but no, I never. So if, you had, if you had me do a draft, I don't know if JLD would be in the first round. Can you imagine if it was Jason Alexander? Just show who would nope. he even be? Like Puck no one from um. <laughs> from no, you know, you know, no, you know, Jason in. Alexander. Jason Alexander. He's going to show up in the Fantastic Four movie as the Mole Man, right? Wasn't that like the first person that the Fantastic Four face? Like he'll yes. come up from the earth, being yes. like, "Ah, I must hit you, Sue Storm." Yeah, basically yes. how Incredibles ended the first one. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, exactly. she's the best one. So let's just <laughs> let's just have her be on the show. And I would lo- I can't wait to see her in a scene with Florence Pugh. That's just going to be great. Uh, mm-hmm. If you got Florence Pugh, you got to keep her around as long as possible. Do we think that this is not going to be referenced in the finale? Or do you think this card's going to come back around next week? Um, I feel like it might come back around next week. It's hard to say because, again, another part of the weirdness of this penultimate episode is the penultimate episode usually sets up where the characters are going to end up in the finale. And we sort of know, I think, like, 
I think we know what, what the, the flag smashers are going to do. I think we know that Sam's going to show up and Bucky will show up. And I guess John will show up. And if John shows up, maybe at the end she'll call. This is, I think, the weirdness of this episode. And, like, its placement just feels so odd. Because I do think there's a lot of things I really like. But it really did felt less like a penultimate and almost like a finale. It felt like, a get like I said... Felt like they cut it weird and they cut it wrong. Someone mixed up the cut and it was just like, oh, ah, shit, man, it's fine. <laughs> well, let's let's get into uh, some of the main stuff from this episode as we as we walk away in those boots that may or may not have red on the bottom. Because I, I want to talk about the red, white, and blue that is Sam's journey over the course of this episode. Because I do feel like after a couple of episodes away from really going back to that, I, I find it, you know. Uh, not coincidental that when we get to go back stateside and have like Sam be in his fields in Baltimore and New Orleans, that that's the first time in a while that we've really focused on Sam's choice to leave the shield behind, which he ends up quite literally taking from John Walker in the first scene, but ends up finally taking up in the last couple scenes. Mm-hmm. Latanya, give me all your thoughts about Sam's specific journey over the course of this episode. Yeah, Sam went through a lot and did so kind of in a very just like kind yet stoic manner. Um, He initially had to, I mean, that opening scene was that scene was great where they had to fight um, John Walker to get the shield away and eventually had to like use the thruster power on what was left of his wings to break his arm, to get the shield, like pry it off of him. Um, You know, seeing unhinged John Walker full of super soldier serum was really terrifying because, you know, given um, that what I know about contracts in terms of um, how many movies slash TV shows um, Sebastian Stan was signed up to do in the first place. I'm concerned unless he's renewed his contract that like he might be the end. It it might be near the end of the road for Bucky Barnes. And so Mm. when he was getting his ass handed to him by John Walker, I was just like, Oh no, is this how they're going to unceremoniously kill Bucky Barnes? Please no. And you know, he fully (laughs) Sam fully had his wings just ripped off of him. Like he, he did like some deranged person taking the wings off of a butterfly. It was very, very, the imagery of it was just uh, kind of terrifying. And also just the stakes of it were very high. Uh, and which is why settling down into an episode that then took him on what was the equivalent of a history lesson with kind of an ancestor, uh, you know, in terms of service to the United States and wearing the shield um, when he goes to see Isaiah again, and then taking him back home. All of that journey I thought was very poetic and I thought was very necessary. The conversation that he ended up having with uh, Isaiah Bradley was very deep in terms of its symbology, but also its significance. And it did really have me wondering. And, you know, this is also coming from Rebecca Theodore Vachon, who is a film critic, but also does a podcast weekly about Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is the only one that I've listened to coming into this. Um, But she was uh, essentially saying that she, after that conversation, she wasn't sure whether or not Sam should take up the mantle of Captain America, given that there is so much history just behind 
the shield so much history erased and the fact that no one wants to see a black man as captain america so i i left that conversation thinking about a lot of different things thinking about how the red tails uh you know returned home after like a lot of fanfare after world war ii and then when they got home they weren't able they they were just subjected to the same types of racism and prejudice and alienation etc that every other black person would have been suggested subjected to um he was put into a prison and experimented on for 30 years and now he's just trying to water his garden and his sage advice is do not take up this mantle no matter what you do like it's something that should just fade into the annals of history in the way that i myself have been erased from history and he goes there and there's nothing else you can do after getting after having a conversation like that but go home you have to go home and i really thought that the way that they you know uh did the scenes of him just kind of like trying to get support to get you know the boat fixed having bucky show up there to help um with like the new um wakandan gear and tow all of that and then like the training montage i i there those are the pieces of the episode that i really did enjoy and that I really felt had a, a lot of larger significance, but they were kind of, for me, they didn't have as big of an impact as I would hope that they would have because of other things in the episode that either didn't make sense or seemed out of time or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the journey that he went on throughout this episode was really epic and one that you would have hoped he'd had been going, like he was his path throughout the entirety of the run of the show and something that wasn't just, put into one episode near the like to so the penultimate i can say that word episode <laughs> yeah i i mean i agree with that especially the pacing right it's, it's what i said where it's just like i wish there was more of this throughout the series that we've had that said um you know counterpoint i would have watched an entire series that was just bucky and sam working on a boat together and then become Fisher Boys. Like, yes. I, I would have been fine with that. Like, Fisher Boys. Show, I, I, I want a <laughs> Deadliest Catch that, MCU edition. With right? And yes. I would have watched that. Um, but I, I, yeah, the, the, I really loved all of the journey stuff with Sam. The Isaiah stuff, especially, I thought was so great and so powerful and just hit too many notes that I've been feeling and thinking and, and just have constantly in my head, especially about the, like, what's changed of it all like that's just something i feel a lot and i just even before this episode i I was having a conversation where there is a frustration that builds up because my parents went through so much crap and they the entire time they would tell me like hey it's okay like things are changing things are getting better everything is going to be okay and then here i am as an adult and i'm just like well that was a fucking lie you know like there's a there's an element like obviously it wasn't a full lie but like there is that there is that rage that you'll feel the sadness that you feel. So like a lot of what he was saying reflects the emotions I have about this country and it's honest lack of progress. Um, so I got what he was saying and I definitely thought like his note about like not paying up the shield made sense. Um, and an interesting thing that I definitely picked up on is that Isaiah went to jail for doing the exact same thing Steve did. Because yeah. Steve Rogers, yeah. in the first Avenger, there were POWs, and he broke out of the co- compound, mm-hmm. stole the costume, freed them, and then, like, with the Red Tails, returned a hero that was praised versus Isaiah, who did the same thing, 
broke out of the compound, stole the costume, freed a bunch of POWs, but then was thrown in jail for it. And I think that's such a beautiful, wonderful parallel uh, to show what this country and the government and the military is to a certain extent at its heart that I was just like amazing. Cause they didn't like linger on that. Right. Like you, if you knew, you knew. And mm-hmm. I think that's really well done. But then I think the follow-up afterwards of Sam's journey and the conversation with Bucky and this idea of, you know, who, who, other people don't get to tell you who you end up want to be like, you should listen to everything, but ultimately it's going to be your choice and you have to make a decision on what you want yourself to represent. And like Steve couldn't make that decision for him. Isaiah couldn't make that decision for him. He had to listen to everyone and then ultimately make the choice. And I think that journey that he went through to ultimately decide that he wants to pick up the shield because of what it can mean to his nephews and to younger kids, which I do think is vital and why I do think it is important for him to pick up the shield. I think we talked about this at the beginning um, is fantastic. And I loved that journey uh, for this character to Latanya's point. Again, I I wish there was a little more of it like spaced out versus like, and here we go. But uh, I loved those pieces. I love those elements. I loved him and Bucky throwing their shield around like a game of catch. Just again, just playing some frisbee. Tossing the disc. Right. Just just have these guys (laughs) hang out. Like uh, again, this show literally could have had no other plot than Bucky and, and, and Sam hanging out, going fishing, doing repairs on boats. Yeah. Yeah. New Orleans. And I would have been fine. I would have been great. Right? It's like the opposite of Godzilla versus Kong, where I'm like, Godzilla versus Kong, just show me just show me monkey and lizard punching each other, and I don't need anything else, and it's cool. This is the opposite. No punching. Just show me these two hanging out, and I'm fine. <laughs> Can what? I ask a question, though? Mm-hmm. So, all right. So, I completely understand free will. Like, we need to make our own decisions and everything in terms of what we're going to do with our lives. Being Captain America comes with so much baggage it's a question more about whether or not, you know, in Sam's position, you would still pick up the mantle of the shield because while yes, representation is ridiculously important. And, and even as much as we say it, it's still more important. Um, Having little kids be able to look up to someone who's black as captain America is very important, but with the history of everything that went on, or if you're, if you even think about it, like if, you know, John Walker had been a black man and had done what he'd done, what he had done with the whole world watching, like what would have happened to him? It are, is Sam just entering by taking on the mantle? Is he just becoming more and more entrenched in the system? One that he cannot ultimately control um, that will ultimately seem to have some, there'll be some government oversight, you know, um, and giving the the children in his life or the children who are looking up to see this a bit of a false hope as to what can actually be accomplished by them and like other and other people like them. I mean, it's it's the classic like audacity of hope kind of thing. Yes. I'm, I mean, what you're getting into is essentially uh, the onus of Captain America, Sam Wilson, the comic series. Like, this is exactly what you're getting into, where he has that entire internal struggle himself, where he wants to be, I think, more of a politicized Captain America than Steve Rogers. Suffice it to say, America does not like that. And he really, you know, struggles with the idea of like, what can I stand for if what I'm representing, I inherently do not believe in? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that becomes the the what you're representing versus what you want it to represent. Because 
I, I agree with Latanya that if he has government oversight, we're leading into issues of being part of a system, which is going to segue us into John, which I would love to talk about um, eventually. Yeah. But um, I don't think Sam is going to end up the government like sponsored Captain America. I don't think he's going to work within the government. I think the note about who that shield belongs to uh, is also really interesting. I mean, she certainly... I, uh, you know, Valk certainly, uh, sorry, I didn't call her in my head. My bad. Contessa certainly didn't, um, uh, you know, say it to Sam, but like is, is making John work to make his own shield. So it's like maybe a copyright issue. But I think that is important because when you look at what Steve did too, and what he did with the shield, he worked for the government in world war two in a time when things were more black and white. And to an extent, mm-hmm. he still felt there was a lot of like, you know, like there's right and wrong in the world. And you like, you have to fight for the right. And when it came to fighting for the right, dismantling an entire government organization and going against the government, he did it. And mm-hmm. like from that point on, Captain America wasn't a government agent, right? Like he was on his own. He was representing th- this ideal on his own. And I think there's parts of that, too, that Sam can draw from in terms of. And again, this is like to each their own, obviously, right? Like this is such a a, a personal choice and a personal matter. And it could go either way, honestly, and I would have been okay with it. But I like the idea that I hopefully Sam isn't part of the government. He's standing up for and trying to show what he wants the ideal of America to be almost like that symbol of hope, mm-hmm. right? Like Steve's Steve's whole thing is very, I keep I comparing him to Superman, but it is to me that the idea of you want to stand for what the best ideal is and something to strive for, not representing what it, you know, what it exactly is. The truth, justice, and American way part. That American way part was very new for Superman. That was put in during a time where it was like about propagandism and it has stuck to a certain extent. But Superman is about not the American way. It's about an ideal, but it's also shaping that because it is connected to the American stuff now. And like, he is an American hero, but all that stuff, I think, is more about like what what do you want the future to stand for and represent away from the government? And I think that's part of what Sam is trying to do, um, at least the way that I'm interpreting and hoping it is, because I do agree that like I think if he is a government sponsored Captain America, and I don't think the government would want that anyway, um, but like if he is something where he is beholden to the military and the government, that is not great because that is becoming part of the system that's serving as a cog into in a complex that is um, unfortunately rife with terrible long history that as even with John, they try to erase, ignore and get rid of. So a couple things on that. I know Carrie Skoglund, who uh, directed all six episodes of this series, said basically in Entertainment Weekly, uh, and I'm quoting her directly, we wanted Sam to engage in both a public and private conversation of what it means for a black man to pick up such an iconic, historically white symbol by starting off with his acknowledgement of how important it is as a symbol, and that is it is connected to a bygone era. Sam opens the door to the idea that what defines a hero today is not the same ideal as it was when Steve first picked up the shield. So I think to your point, Kevin, it is very much underlining this idea of, hey, uh, what the shield was created for was a a lot more of a one or the other thing than what it is now and what it can be used for. But in terms of connecting Sam back to Steve, what I actually found incredibly interesting is Sam's ultimate decision before the montage, right? Where after all this talk with Isaiah, he's talking with Sarah, basically figuring out, like, I don't know what to do right now. And Sam's final decision is, what would be the point of all his pain and sacrifice in reference to Isaiah 
if I wasn't willing to get up and keep fighting, to me, that sounds like a really interesting paraphrase of I could do this, all, do this day. all day. Yeah. This idea. Mm. So this is this is sort of this idea of like you said, like you've you've really put both put very well. You know, you you can't tell have other people tell you who you are. But I do think that Sam has sort of found his own use for the shield and that role of Captain America in a way that Steve very much did, which is like when the going gets tough, the tough get going, no matter what the fight may be. Hmm. Yeah, I like it. I like it. It's just it, it was more of a like food for thought kind of question. And I really love both your takes on it. It's for me, I, I really wish that that again, this exploration um, would have taken place. And I, there's some other things I missed. Like I was, we were hoping, and it wasn't just me um, when uh, Carl Lumley was first presented in the show with kind of like the aging makeup that we might get a flashback mm-hmm. um, and which would have been really cool. Uh, but we didn't end up getting that. Uh, I think that that there's parts of this, there's a lot of parts of this show that were in my opinion, and based on some of the research that I've done, just very (sighs) different than what the original plan was uh, because of COVID and, and not just, you know, how it affected their shooting schedule, but because, but how it affected the actual plot lines um, so I'm wondering if this is something that got lost to COVID. Um, and, and it's really kind of a bummer because I would have loved to have seen, you know, original cap in action. Um, you know, and instead we get just like this very rightfully so embittered older man who has been through hell and it's just like, please don't do this. You know, it's the, as close as is as his voice gets to begging, I think. Yeah. And I think Carl Lumbly does a good job. Cause I agree. I do wonder if in another draft, you would have him narrating what happens over an action scene. I think he does yeah. a good job of, of telling the story with his voice to not make it seem stagnant. I mean, I just, honestly, the, the whole Isaiah Sam scene was my favorite scene of the entire episode. Uh, I thought it was incredibly well done. Like we talked about when this character was introduced in episode two, I'm very glad that it was Sam visiting him mm-hmm. one-on-one as well, especially the journey that Sam took. We have these throwaway lines in episodes three and four about him, like realizing that Isaiah's blood was used in the serum. So he's just, yeah. I think really realizing the gravity of how he was used as a specimen rather than a person And then when he basically visits Isaiah and they're sort of talking from this dual perspective, right? Where Isaiah's like, you don't know what I know, but at the same time, as a black man, you do know what I know. I mean, honestly, I think one of my favorite lines of this series might be, if you're not bitter, you're blind. Uh, Because that's one that really speaks to outside the show. And a lot of... Does it? Yeah, and a, and, a, and a lot of discourse today, uh, and so it's 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 just such an, an interesting idea that again, despite Isaiah telling these horrible stories, he then always brings it back to the macro perspective, right? Because mm-hmm. when he says, "Oh, you erased my history," they erased my story because it was afraid it would get out, but they've been doing that for five hundred years. He basically is saying, yeah. "Like this sucks, but what did I expect?" Yeah, I mean, and it's, it's the same thing that's been happening. Yeah. It's Tale as old as time. We're 
still living in, it seems like we're going inching closely back to that cruel summer of last summer because we're getting all of these like police shootings that are happening and then more and more mass shootings that are happening. And some of them uh, hate based as well. So it's, it really is one of those things where it's just like (sighs) the way that I can understand Sam's deciding to take up the shield is that you either do that and you, you figure out a way to do it on your own terms or you become kind of that embittered person who just has the capability to make change, but doesn't do anything to do so. And I don't think that Sam is that type of person from everything that we know about him. He's always been there for, you know, we met him and learned that he was like a counselor for vets. Like he's so great at talking to people. He gives Bucky the best therapy session that he's had throughout the entirety of the series. Yeah. Sorry, Dr. Felfi. Yes. took your job. Saz Felfi. Um, but yeah, I, I, that scene was definitely the showpiece for me as well. Um, and I, there's, and to the point where I'm starting to question how I feel about the whole mantle of Captain America. Um, but I am also hopeful at the same time, just in seeing the looks on those kids' faces what Mm -hmm. having Sam as Captain America could mean for so many people and why that might be, you know, the best thing possible. I I think I'm just wary of the fact that in America, everything is handled with a PR campaign. And I don't want it to be one of those things where Sam takes on the mantle and then all of a sudden gets the marketing, uh, you know, like propaganda tour, that yeah, both Cap, Cap is back again. Again, Sam Wilson is Captain America. Yeah, new and improved. <laughs> yeah. Captain America, all new, all different. If you want to go the Marvel route, yeah. um, that which is a tagline that they have. Um, that like, yeah, I it, there's so much there, and and I think that's such a powerful thing, though. Uh, questioning the mantle of Captain America, and I think that's such a great thing that the show did do because I think we should. I think we should question America. We should question this country. We should question what it stands for. We should question that flag because of the history that has been erased and has been torn away to the point where even, even like, you know, like for, for, for me and my background, there's so much ingrained to, to Indian people from colonialism that it's hard to even separate fully what came from our actual culture and what has been influenced mm. by that. Um, if I'm not mistaken, butter curry, I believe is a British invention. Like there are, there are things that are like almost ingrained into who we are. That is just now just actually that's because of colonialism, you know, like th- there's so much there that I think needs to be delved into to be questioned, to be wondered. But at the same time, I do think there is th- exactly what you said, Latanya, like, there's easy for me and me especially who does fall into like a very close to Isaiah Bradley situation where I'm so embittered and so tired and exhausted that there is a level of just like, I'm tired of fighting. Why should I fight for this country that doesn't give a shit for me? You know, like there is that. Um, but there are the other parts of it, right? Like the, the, again, the, the ideal of like, what can we do to change it? What can we stand for? And I don't think, again, I don't think it's through the government and I do think that what Sam can hopefully do is stand for something bigger and stand for a, a, a way forward, a fight forward um, that can be beneficial because the fight is ongoing. I think it was uh, Tanahisi Coates that said, like, um, 
you know, uh, essentially like revolutionaries don't actually see the revolution happening. Like you don't, that's not going to happen in your fight. That's not going to happen in your lifetime. There, there's a quite, I can't believe I'm blanking on the exact quote, but, but there is this notion of just like in our lifetime, we're not going to get the thing. We just have to keep fighting so that some generation is going to, um, mm-hmm. And it's it's a quote I really like, and at the same time, it's super depressing. But like, <laughs> well, so, and, uh, and speaking of Tom and Tanahasi Coates, I also it, it on that note of like, will this Cap evolve with the government? I know that I believe his current iteration of Cap is like I think they call him like Captain of Nothing, right? Like the government doesn't want him, mm. and so this idea of like, if you're Captain of Nothing, who are you fighting for? Is a really interesting question. If you don't stand for nothing, who do you fall for? Anyway. Yeah, you fall for anything. Well, you know, one world, one people. Maybe. <laughs> uh, so on the exact opposite end of the spectrum of things I don't care about, guess who I still don't care about? Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha! In my dentist's office, more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me. What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Before, before we even get into the Flag Smashers, because Latanya, I know uh, you were speaking on the Discord about this. I think to a point you made before about Isaiah, there is maybe some behind the scenes shading in when yeah. it comes to plotting out of the Flag Smashers that I think may have influenced the execution of this ultimate storyline, if you care to enlighten us. I, I would. Thank you. So from some combination of internet research of like actual articles, a little bit of Reddit, I've lost it. And uh, a video putting a lot of things together by new rock stars. New rock stars are great. I don't know how many people like to watch YouTube videos after these TV shows. Uh, I do because I often find that I don't really have anyone to talk to immediately after the show about it. Um, Because we try to save most of our thoughts for this podcast. So I like to watch their breakdowns. They're very thorough. Um, And they also get to a lot of the stuff that happens behind the scenes that we don't get to see. So putting all of those clues to get clues together, it's my strong suspicion that there was an alternate flag smashers plot that revolved around a virus, perhaps maybe even being released or originating from Madripoor, which is obviously something Disney could not do during a global pandemic. There's even like the hints that because when they were filming the movie, it was called, or the, the show, it was the done. Six hour movie, Latanya. Six hour movie that is a show. It was uh, done under uh, Pandemic Productions, uh, was the name of the place. 
There are also multiple instances of cuts that don't make sense and ADR lines from off-screen characters and just general the general like what the hell are the flag smashers up to? What do they want? Why do we know? Do they know things? Let's find out. <laughs> vibe of the season. Uh, so, uh, all right. Now we need Paul. F, now we need Paul Love F. Tompkins it. in the MCU. Yes, as well. definitely. Oh. Like uh, yesterday. <laughs> so, according to Richard Nebbins, who writes for the MCU Exchange, uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier has extended its, su- its shooting schedule due to writer- rewrites of the plot that all may have happened uh, to the corona uh, may have happened to the coronavirus recently threatening the lives in the re- in the real world. On the top of the coincidental fact that the show's production company is Pandemic Productions, LLC, the earliest plot leaks and speculation all shared in common the idea of some kind of device unleashing a pandemic across the populace. But there are rumors that this is no longer the case. Disney could be trying to get ahead of the potential disaster with rewriting and reshooting some of the series with a heavy emphasis on the first couple episodes. Considering Disney's relationship with China, we can only wait and see how the coronavirus works its way into Falcon and the Winter Soldier, or indeed whether it does at all. So I believe that there was supposed to be a plot in Madripoor that would have released a virus. And that's what the character Mama Danya had instead of having tuberculosis, as the ADR line said. Um, but they couldn't do that, <laughs> given that people are still very much saying that it's a disease from China. And this is, you know, they they wouldn't want to have a country that's supposed to be an Asian country like Madripoor be the, the setting of a global pandemic. Um, so they had to rewrite and and do some reshoots and like work around that in order to figure out how to make the flag smashers viable. And in my opinion, I don't know if they have made this villain all that viable, more at all the more vi- viable. Um, I was hoping that they could have come up with something because we, you know, we get hints to it. They're stealing vaccines right. to take to the um, relocation camps for the people who had to leave their houses after the people from the houses that originally lived there came back after the blip. And there's also the idea that borders would have been more open. They were considering doing that. And then the blip happened and everyone came back and they started to close down on um, borders a lot more. So we get that first episode when things get better for one party, they normally get better worse for another line coming from Sam when he's talking to Joaquin Torres. I think if you put all of that stuff together with the fact that it's the f- the finale is about to happen and we still have little to no idea what in the everlasting God the Flag Smashers are supposed to be doing and why and exactly why. Um, and the fact that Mama Danya was actually, uh, I can't remember the actress's name, but she's quite a like well, like, known prolific actress and Mm. all she ended up doing was just kind of laying in a bed and dying and then laying in state. Um, I think that there was a lot more that was supposed to be there and they had to cut around it because of shooting and because they didn't want to trace a global pandemic to an Asian nation. All right. So Kevin, give me all your thoughts about that. You have not been shy about your, your derision towards the, the Flag Smasher storyline. How does this, this news sort of play into your, your thoughts about the execution of it? 
I mean, certainly that is unfortunate. I still don't fully then understand, though. I mean, maybe it would have been explained what releasing a virus would accomplish. Besides, are you just trying to Thanos again? You just trying to Thanos? In which case, I mean, they, like, they, they did say okay. they liked the world before they the, did, and and, and there would snap. be there <laughs> yeah. would be, I guess, a connection there to make it be like, cool. I understand your direction. Sure, um, but. One, I will say this. I yeah, if I could get um, never a movie where a virus is released by anyone again, I'd I'd, I'd be happy. I don't ever need to see that <laughs> plot line where the bad guy's like, "I shall release a virus," and just like, "Please shut up!" Like you know, like I don't want it. I don't need it. Um, I don't want that. I don't need that. Um, <laughs> but that said, like two things I feel like are wonky because of this. One is the Flag Smasher stuff is wonky. Like, we don't, again, fully know their goal because now their ultimate thing is just like, we will stop this vote. Just like, what, what is this? Yeah, what is this okay. Do what, yeah, what, what, what yeah, we, okay, we here for this vote for? Also, I'm, I'm dumb, so I, I didn't really remember what, so the Patch Act is supposed to send the people in the refugee camps back to their country of origin. Right. So it's, so that's a, bad thing for the yes. black smashers because yes. they feel like what that they that they wanted well, that again that world without borders no, yeah. or it's cementing the borders between countries well, cementing it, yeah. the borders and and continuing to make the mis the misplaced displaced people even more downtrodden as a result because they uh, presumably during the blip left places that weren't great mm-hmm. and then moved into places that were better and then were mm-hmm. displaced by the blip when people just showed up back exactly where you know they were when they blipped away part of it also has to do with the fact that this is this show was supposed to be released before wandavision and was going to be the first thing in the mcu to truly deal with the ramifications of the blip uh the uh, spider-man far from home did it but just like as a joke because Mm. you want to hit someone with a tuba Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was a little bit of it that we saw in WandaVision in that beautifully rendered scene where Monica comes back in the hospital room after that, where she'd blipped. But other than that, we don't get any of the geopolitical implications of the blip discussed outside of like maybe a little bit in Endgame, but only when they were searching for Clint. And then uh, with this show, and we can't really have the geopolitical implications fully explored because I think that the Flag Smashers were supposed to be the ones that did that, but their whole plot just got kind of like cut and pasted and moved around so much. And so I I think now the GRC is supposed to be like a stand-in for the UN in New York. Mm. And they're supposed to be doing something with the materials that Baltrock, is that how you pronounce it? Baltrock, yeah. Baltrock. Leapin... Bad yeah. <laughs> uh, that he brought at the behest of Sharon Carter, uh, maybe or maybe not the power broker. Maybe uh. don't call her Val as the power broker. Who knows who the power broker is or why we're still talking about them. It's right Sharon. Now. It's it's Sharon. Well, it's going to be Sharon. <laughs> There's that's another part I want to get to. But I want LT to finish. <laughs> yeah. So uh, also good to note that Sharon is using an Android and not an iPhone because you can't. <laughs> you know she's a bad guy. <laughs> yeah, you can't have the villains use iPhones mm-hmm. apparently. Uh, but but yeah, uh, they're I guess they're going to attack the the GRC, and I don't know how that attack is going to happen. I also don't know 
how one of the most wanted people in the on the entire planet is just sitting in a park. It's not like she's wearing a disguise and she's very distinctive looking. Like her hair is so beautifully and fiery red and she's got those curls and those like uh uh what are they called? Um Reckles? Reckles? Thank you. I, I, I can make words, y'all. I totally can do this. Everything's great. So yeah, so like she's really easy to find sitting like in the middle of a park in New York, just kind of hanging out. And then she she's like, all right, we got it. Let's activate the plan. What is the plan? What are they trying to accomplish with the plan? She's also telling Batrock that he's going to get his chance to kill Sam. I'm just like, I don't... I. I we should not be going into the finale, even with the reshoots and even with everything else that happened, we shouldn't be going into the finale of a show still questioning what exactly the villains are doing mm-hmm. and how and why and the means we just shouldn't like, it feels like they should have just taken a little bit more time with this show and worked on it. And it also isn't a good look that it's like the, <laughs> They do what is essentially like a really tough act to follow and almost like a masterpiece with WandaVision. And I know that that's like filmed on sound stages. So that makes things a lot easier to control than this type of show. But like to have the first Marvel show that's headed by a black man who's going to be the new Captain America be this incomplete is frankly annoying and upsetting to me. Yeah, I mean... For me, like, I, I think a lot of the show works really well and the stuff that we talked about, but like having a non, non compelling, non interesting villain for the first black cap, well, I guess as reveal second, black Captain America to fight at the end of it is sort of just like, well, what do we care about this fight that he's about to have? And that is a detriment, right? Like, we're, we're in phase four here. This is like phase one villainy. Like, w- w- what's happening? And it is unfortunate. And again, like, yeah, I wish they could have fixed more stuff with them. Just give us a little bit more. Just do something. Pick a side. I feel like that's the other thing is that they were walking this weird line because there's an idea here, obviously, about sending refugees back to their home that is touching on a very real point. But like they don't focus on it enough. They don't give enough. And part of me wonders is just like they just not want to go all in on that. Um, so there's there's a lot of choices that are made that are just very confusing and very odd. And also an odd choice is the that meeting room that this that the GRC is meeting in because like <laughs> that that moment happened and they're all around this table where they could very clearly see and hear each other pretty easily. And then there's giant screens Great. behind them. And I'm like, yeah. what? Why are those screens? screens there? Oh, you're on the you're on the kiss cam, Denmark what? and Sweden. <laughs> why? Yeah, why? Is, it was so funny because it's just one of those things. It's like the Wandavision, and I know it's like picking at nits hair, but it's like the Wandavision thing where it's just like there's no reason to show her uh, um, drinking coffee because it's just there for the audience. And the same thing is like, why are those screens there? And it's just like, oh, so when the lights go out, it could do the flickering thing and look more. Drip- Got it? Okay. Mm. Like, yeah, it's just well, one of those things where I'm watching her. It's just like, why, why would you need that? You're like 10 people in a room. You all can see each other. There's no reason to have a giant screen of yourself up there. That seems pointless. It's just very silly to me. People need to also, know when there's about to be a problem, Kevin. And yeah, nothing says how. there's a problem like the screen's going out. Yep. You know? Yeah. It's well, 2021. <laughs> it's that thing again we've talked about, like the slow feeding of the flash measures. I'm happy that they at least have an end goal at this moment. 
of something that they're wanting to prevent. Because again, we weren't Stop entirely the sure. Vote. That's, that's oh no. Uh, well, that's I do know that their I, plan. There Stop was some the discourse I know that I had uh, this past week about like whether or not the Flag Smashers actually had like a big end goal. I'm personally fine if they didn't have an end goal up to this point. It's only when you bring in lines like, okay, we want a world without borders in the very beginning, that implies an end goal, that when you do not have an end goal, that's what confuses me. So at least we have something now that they are working towards, even if it's just to create a big battle at the end. I mean, I I, I see what you're saying, Latanya, but now I'm wondering if this is less a Falcon and the Winter Soldier problem and more of an MCU TV problem because mm. i think you can ascribe to both shows at this point that they bit off more than they can chew uh that there was yeah, a lot and it's a villain problem the marvel the classic marvel villain villain problem yeah where... which is, but it's interesting though because i think starting with adrian tombs we were saying that the villains were like taking a turn for the better uh and mm. then maybe just in these couple of cases they they tried some things that haven't necessarily worked on audiences well there's a difference between a villain in a two-hour movie and a villain in a six-hour you know tv show right <laughs> like if you don't if you don't really know that realm you're not gonna really hit it as as strongly um tv is very different from movies um and i think that is also like you know, knows like one of the interviews i listened to i'm sorry i can't remember the name of this executive but he was saying that the thing that helped him was the fact that malcolm spellman knew tv writing because he went into and everyone else wanted to go in and approach it as if it were a movie but Malcolm Spellman was like, no, there needs to be beats to these things. There needs to be um, pacing. And therefore, they're not, they're, there's not even that excuse. Well, it's not, it's not necessarily TV writing. It's about it's villain writing, right? Because like, those points, I think, are different as well in terms of like how to pace certain things out. Because TV villainy is also different like from how you do that in regular TV anyway. And I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that collided here that can cause issues. I'm not saying like, uh, oh, they don't know how to do it. I'm saying it's difficult. And to Mike's point, it's not something that they're familiar, like all familiar with on a bigger level, because like even Malcolm Spellman, knowing that they're still the Disney machine, right? They're still the Marvel machine as a whole that probably has to hit certain things and trying to like do certain things. Um, but I don't know. I mean, you know, the other parts of it are strong for me and I really love that. It does drag down the show having this particular plot point because it is unfortunately a major plot point especially again when after last episode where they're just like oh no he killed one of us and now being just like well we will kill more like, yeah well like, and okay you have carly in the beginning of the episode right like almost aria style listing off like uh you know dovich uh mama Danya, nico like so countless others and it's like you you killed a hundred plus innocent people <laughs> yesterday you might want to list them off too and your list there but it's it's tough i i don't know if i necessarily uh disagree with your point latanya that it has a villain problem because while we have the flag smashers i am to be honest all in on what they've been doing with john walker who i do think is a villain but kind of more of like a tragic villain uh than maybe what we're used to from your your flag smashers or even like your agatha harkness uh i even following up on what happened last week, I am I'm really enjoying, to be quite honest, what they've been doing with Wyatt Russell and John Walker in this series. Yeah, it was fantastic that there was an immediate accountability uh, for what John mm-hmm. Walker had done, uh, that he was stripped of medals. And uh, let me 
and I believe just like there's no honorable discharge. He's just discharged. I'm I'm not sure if it's if they said it was dishonorable or I think he said yeah he said I think he said discharge without honors. So without I believe that's sort of yeah. So implied, that is yeah yeah dishonorable discharge. That's not how you say it, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> sorry, two parents in the in the army, um, and so neither of whom were dishonorably discharged. I need to add, um, but. Yeah, instant accountability. Another um, point that Rebecca Vachon brought up was that the line that uh, he says, uh, that John Walker says, where he says, you made me, you know, talking to the government, right? Like the government, the army, you know, the Marines, special ops, et cetera, they want people who are off the charts in terms of um, intelligence and in terms of being able to be, to to kill. Like they need people that will kill and they need for their kind of like psych evaluations that they're doing to kind of prove out that this person is willing to like take orders and, and kill. And so when he said that, that made me think that there was not necessarily throughout this series enough of, even though there's parts of it here and there's parts of it with Isaiah, the government is not being held accountable for anything that it's doing by empowering someone who had the kill record that John Walker had to believe that he essentially had jurisdiction everywhere because that's what he was made to think, you know, that line you made me really was poignant for me because it's like you made this monster. Right. And now you're just going to have this kind of like public hearing where you say, okay, you're done. You're out of the military. You know, we don't want anything more to do with you. But do you get that person counseling? Do you uh, do any kind of debriefing with that person? No, you just send them out into the world and kind of hope that they don't become incels. Like, I, uh, what? <laughs> I, I don't think they hope anything. And I think I, I agree that line, that moment I, I wrote down, like Walker ain't fully wrong about the military made him like that's. And I think I really like what they did with John Walker. And I, you know, again, I'm not trying to be a John Walker apologist. Yada, yada, yada. What he, what Please he did don't. was terrible, obviously. Um, but he, his points are salient and his point are, his points are important because it, it's again, the, the government, like you said, Latanya, lack of accountability, not only yes, they stripped him of his rankings. They discharged him, but they also like stripped his pension. And he and it's just now essentially like go into the world, I guess, and find a job. Like, like there's also that part of it because it's just like, well, what? It, what, what, what give him therapy, do something. Like, because right now you have a super soldier who's walking out there, angry, bitter, and mad, and um, I don't think is going to do what Isaiah did and just go water his right. garden. Just go water so, a like, garden. Right. Like, I don't think that's what's going to happen here, because obviously, again, different backgrounds. Um, and, and the government did make him into this thing that, that again, the psych evaluations, the trauma he, he experienced that was expressed to Lamar during that conversation about the things mm-hmm. they had to do in Afghanistan, Afghanistan that was never explored. And then they just gave him the shield and was like, go do what you've been doing, because that's basically what they said. You were so good at all the things you have been doing. We will now give you this and we will give you a new rank. Go do what you've been doing under our orders. Go for it. And he he crossed the line for sure. 
But like when you like you see the trauma, you see the stuff he went through, you see the PTSD at the beginning of this episode. Like there's so much there where you're just like, Jesus Christ, the government is very responsible for a lot of this shit. And like, yeah, there will be no repercussions there. They should, well, maybe for that one dude who's in the, the 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 GRC meeting and he might die. I don't know. But like, <laughs> his face won't be on that screen. That's for sure. Um, but like the John Walker stuff, I think is tragic and 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 interesting. And I do think has so much compelling levels to it. Um, and I really like that they that they did that and they concentrated on that. Again, I wish they did that for the Flag Smashers, but it it's it's just it's easy to just write off as well, like to John Walker's up and just be like, what a villain. And it's at the same time, I think what's interesting here, it's like, yes, he's a villain that the government created. And I well, think that's yeah. fascinating. Well, I mean, to that point, let me just say, and I'm, 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 uh, you know, really co-opting a headline that the great Josh Regler wrote here. Who? Who? <laughs> Never heard of him. Uh, John Walker is not the government's Captain America. John Walker is the government's Winter Soldier. Uh, and mm. so that line "You built me" is really effective in that regard. That he essentially had been like conditioned and brainwashed mm-hmm. to be this killing machine on behalf of the government. And so when he's finally released, he sort of is like Bucky at this point of like, what the hell do I do now? But uh, he ain't making a, a list of names anytime soon. It seems like John Walker is just ready to go rogue because he is still convinced, despite not having the title, he is yeah, Captain America. He is Captain America. And it's just, I, I understand that line and that line is poignant for me. I can understand all that and still not have a lot of sympathy for John Walker. I think that the thing that is difficult for us in uh, the cognitive dissonance that we're having here is that this character is played wonderfully by Wyatt Russell. And Wyatt Russell is just one of those actors that you like. Like he's just a likable dude. So he's bringing a lot of like gravitas to this very, very disturbed person. And we start to see the PTSD crop up even before, you know, this episode, he's doing some really subtle things with his acting in earlier episodes where he's like doing a twitch of his head, his his hands are twitching. This is before he takes Mm -hmm. the super soldier serum. Like, how do we know? Did the government even test him to see whether or not he had taken the super soldier serum? Like, they don't know this and they're just going to go ahead and release him out into the wild and be like, all right, I guess you'll be fine. There's that. And then there's, you know, the other reason that I cannot and will not let John Walker off the hook is that he goes and then he lies to Lamar's family about who actually killed their son. There are so many relatives of people and loved ones of people who only ever get to bury their loved ones who are in uh in combat and you'd never get the full story as to how they passed away and that's really poignant here that these people while they feel like they have they still haven't and we get a little bit of that distrust even if it's not a line at the end of that conversation that john walker is having with lamar hoskins parents lamar's sister just glares at him just like you know i don't i don't like you i don't trust you like i don't i don't know if this any of this is real i'm heartbroken that my brother is not here anymore but that look to me spoke a thousand words because it's just he just goes and lies and like completely gets himself off the hook for this and it's just like yeah of course i had to like brutally murder this person on camera he killed my best friend and i did that for you yeah but that's sort of like 
I wouldn't say the beauty in it, but it's definitely the fun complexity in it, right? It's like mm-hmm. there are sympathetic things of the the Frankenstein like creation that has been made here, but at the same time, he is deluded. He is yeah. absolutely self deluded. We talked about how last week uh, the taking the serum has amplified his sense of insecurity. We got that in the first scene of this episode. I agree with Latanya. I love this two-on-one fight, uh, especially how it ended with the three of them colliding at once and falling yeah. over like three he uses, style. He uses <laughs> him to hit the other like that. It, like whenever you use up one person to hit another person, you're on a good yeah, track. I love it. That's why I love get help. <laughs> but you know, it seems like Sam and Bucky are really trying to like again pursue that path of diplomacy. Really trying to be like we're just here to help. They're about to get the gauntlet off the Thanos. Then here comes the Star Lord S comment, right? Of just like, give me the shield. And then I was all like, those, why did you say that though? Yeah, and like, then I all get those it, insecurities but... come out where you have, and the little Walker literally says, like, oh, I see what's going on yeah. here. And it really just yeah. amplifies how this guy has a, it has just like psychological problems to keep Dr. Felfi in business for about 15 <laughs> years at this point. And so while I, I do really enjoy the fact that, yeah, to your point, like while we may sympathize with the situation that he's been put in, he's still doing bad things by, by really mm-hmm. almost excusing himself by being like telling the government and Lamar's parents alike. Oh yeah. Don't worry. I got revenge. I killed the guy, even though this is now going to fuel him to go after Carly because he knows, okay, I really do have to finish the job right now. Right. And I think that's the key thing too. Like, it's not that I'm feeling sympathy for John Walker specifically is that I feel sympathy for the circumstances that have created this person because yeah. they are all unfortunate and, and part of a bigger God dang issue. Uh, America. Um, but like, mm-hmm that's that's you know that's what i think makes all of this compelling that's what i think makes him and his story interesting is all that stuff around here that i think is coming to fruition which i wish again we could have had a little bit more for the flag specials i feel like there's ways i could have done it i don't know i don't make movies and tv so i'm not there for production schedules i'm not a producer i couldn't do filming locations i you know you can't get the actors back so you have to use adr there's lots of reasons i'm sure it couldn't work out as to how to like pivot the flag smashers in a way that made sense but i feel like there's something there where you have three people well two people really right with with super soldier serum in them one without but is like the person trying to pick up the mantle there's there's parallels you could have probably made a little bit tighter versus where we are here where it's just like no borders and you're just like uh, all right i guess um like, speaking of, so, sounds fine <laughs> speaking of villains so let's let's talk zemo here because we asked about oh, right. this last he was week, in this right? Oh, like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Zemo, Zemo slips away. It seems that Bucky found him. He sort of picked up on that snippet of conversation heard on the previously on and goes to the Sokovia uh, Memorial. And it seems like Zemo is headed back behind bars. Uh, he's not being held in Wakanda like we may have predicted. It looks like the Dora Milaje are more so going to be, I don't know, I guess it's Uber to the raft. But Latanya, we got this question from Felipe, uh, and I would love to ask you directly. I mean, do we think like is this a wrap for Zemo and Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Oh, on Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I think yes, but in the MCU proper, no. Mm-hmm. Um, Thunderbolts, Thunderbolts. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're 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 setting up some type of like super villain, and I think that ultimately Carly will also be a part of this um, group of people. <clears throat> because at first I thought they were going to give Carly the, the, the rest of the cast of Falcon and the Winter everyone else. Copy and paste. Yes. Cause I, I thought they were going to give Carly kind of the Wanda treatment at first where, you know, she starts off as a terrorist and <laughs> she, you know, she joined like a terrorist organization and then she became an Avenger. 
but I think that they're maybe past the point of no return with Carly, maybe, mm. uh, because she wants to, you know, murder all of the people now. Well, uh, but murdered yeah, a lot already. <laughs> murdered a lot already. I think in terms though of Zemo, if the, once the Wakandans are like acting as bounty hunters and taking use of the raft, that's kind of a wrap. Like he's not going to get away from the from the Dora Milaje. And once he gets on the raft, I think that it's going to be a lot harder for him to break out. Uh, even though I'm sure he will, but I think as far as this show is concerned, we're done with him, especially because Bucky got his closure with him. And was able to show him I'm not a killer anymore by like pretending that he was going to shoot him and then showing that, you know, in his in his left hand, he's right handed everyone. Uh, but he had, you know, uh, what a great scene. Yeah, I know. So good. Uh, we've got to talk more about Bucky in this episode, too. Oh, absolutely. But he yeah, but he had bullets like all of the bullets and just lets them kind of cascade down. So for this show, I think it might be a wrap on Zemo and his great coat. I OK, so. Just to clarify as well, I was trying to remember this. They introduced the raft already, right? In yeah. in, um, yeah. in Civil um, War. Civil War. That's, that's that's where all the defectors all okay. team cap, and, that's and they, they, were held. they officially called it the raft. Yeah, I believe so. Okay. I believe and we so have like, the lower then, the lower say it. Then this is confusing to me because originally I was just like, wait, they introduced the raft. Did they not introduce the raft? Is this like the first official raft? Call because like there could be the idea that like Wakanda is the ones who invent the raft and uh, I think that's interesting because the connection to, uh, from T'Challa to, to Reed Richards there who I believe they they were the ones who developed the raft or is that forty two anyway um, but now I'm confused because in my in my personal opinion I don't think that Dora Milaje would turn Zemo over to the raft I think they would have taken his butt back to Wakanda and I feel like it's weird. For them to be like, well, here you go, uh, you know, government, U.S. government, this, the, here's this guy. It just feels, it felt very weird for them to do that. Well, they're like, they're law-abiding people. I think that right. the point is to show that they, as much as they would want revenge, they ultimately just want this person away from people so that he can't continue to, like, Machiavelli everyone. Right, especially uh, revenge, yeah. like murder him. I meant like I thought they would take him and lock him up in Wakanda specifically. I mean, you know, they, they killed uh, his king. It's almost like extradition style here, right? Yeah. Like he, I, he he he's being tried in Wakanda, guys. You you don't get him. I um, get it. I just don't. I don't know what, fully because your points definitely make sense. Um, I just I'm not fully buying the idea that they wouldn't just turn him over to. I guess the raft is like in international water. So it's more of an international. Um, is I thought it is owned by the U S government, like the U S government. I thought it was a U.S. government prison facility basically for, for, yeah, for, yeah, for, for, for people with powers. It's a gray area, just like the shield. <laughs> exactly. But <laughs> well I, it's, I, I do agree with you though, Latanya, because I, I do think that there's something about, you know, at the end of black Panther, when they try to make themselves more, I want to say assimilated, but I think open themselves more up to like the, the, the world in general. I do wonder if part of that is saying like, well, he is technically like an international criminal. We will follow your laws and regulations and put him there. That being said, 
I don't know how long he's staying there, considering that Steve was able to break out his entire team at the end of mm-hmm. Civil War through some like very, very easy easily. things. <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's there could be whether it's Bucky or whether it's somebody else uh, that, you know, is able to break Zemo out. How did we feel about Zemo being on Bucky's list? Did that, did that come as a, as, a, as a surprise to anybody? Hmm. Um, well, Bucky wasn't really responsible for, I guess, <laughs> what happened to Sokovia. Um, but he does feel responsibility because of the super soldier stuff. And I think there is that tie there. And so that that I think shows a lot in terms of like the contrast between someone like Bucky and someone like John Walker, right? Responsibility and where you lie and where you want to place those type of things. And I think Bucky having Zemo on that list about like wanting to make amends and like, you know, trying to like fix the things that you felt you did wrong the right way shows a contrast to what you're saying with John, who has deluded himself into believing that, mm-hmm. like, this is how these things happen. It was not my fault. I had nothing to do with this, you know? And I think that's an interesting contrast, especially with, uh, what did you say? What did you say his name was? J- J- uh, Josh, J- Josh Wiggler? Oh, uh, yeah, whatever, that, whatever that writer is uh, <laughs> who made the comparison about, um, uh, you know, the, the John Walker being America's Winter Soldier, I think makes a phenomenal parallel between that. Yeah, I think that because of everything Zemo did just to get to Bucky, um, it was more of a, I need to show you I've changed because he was the one that he activated, you know, Bucky uh, and and made him go on that spree that he went on uh, and I, during Civil War. And so I think that he just needed to, more than amends, just be like, I forgive you for that. And here is an example of, uh, like, here is the, best example i can show you of how i've changed and how not all super soldiers are the same um i think it was more of a closure scene for bucky than it was just an amends and he probably made his list because of that reason well let's talk about bucky because uh you know like you mentioned before he and sam toss around the old shield and they have this conversation and sam offers him some tough love and much like with Sam, our beats go back to Sarah and the boat that was set up in episode one. It seems like we are going back to the list. I would not be surprised if Bucky pays a visit in New York to his old pal uh, Yoshi, I believe his name was, and then just happens to be like, oh, something's going on at the GRC. Let I think me it's ship- Nori. Is it Nori? I think, I think you're just thinking of... Uh- of Yoshi from Mario Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm just waiting for uh, the dinosaurs to to finally make the reveal here in the MCU. But it's very clear that Sam has sort of dispensed Bucky because Bucky, much like Sam, is quite literally grounded, and so they're just like, "What do we do now?" But Sam has sort of pushed off Bucky with the advice of, "Look, to be candid, you've been doing these amends, but you've been doing it to make yourself happy. Mm-hmm. You only truly feel free until you're doing things to make other people." feel yeah. happy kevin what, what did you think about that sort of like statement on altruism uh, and uh Bucky's attempts towards it i loved when the good place delved into it because <laughs> like that's basically the, the like a big if part you of could the use place. your metal arm to derail yeah. a trolley and make it fit 137 people <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i i like that right because it did remind me of the good place in, in the sense of like what is altruism if I'll, if you're doing things just to make yourself feel good then it's really altruistic and it's like no not exactly right um and so I really, I really enjoyed that conversation. Um, the dramatic stuff has always been, I think, part of the Buckyism, and so like I think that's great. I think they did a good job of making me care a lot more about it 
in this show but the parts that are shining for bucky for me are less that and more of the like right-handed joke the more just like hi i'm bucky thing the charming bucky that was friends with steve i love it like this is this is the bucky that i wish we had so much and you know i'm glad that we're getting this version the one who also apologized to sam i think is really great that you know go back to the dramatic but i think that's so so good and so powerful um and i really like that you know like to some the it really just themes of allyship there and what allyship is and what it means um you know uh they're not they're not friends they're 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 co-workers <laughs> they're partner you know um and they're allies and i think that's that's really great um so there's so much about this bucky stuff that i love especially with the drama but more than that again why i could watch Sam and Bucky just on a ship is because of that charming Bucky right there. That that guy that, that we got to so see. So good. He, he's just he's kind of he feels. I feel like this is the therapy that he needs. You know, he mm-hmm. needs to be around a family. You know, in New Orleans, just like hanging out. You know, he wakes up and he sees the kids playing with the shield, and he has the biggest smile on his face. Again, he's flirting with Sarah, which. I am all for. I he spent a lot of time in Wakanda, so you know. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I just that's like how I made the joke. Like Peter Parker clearly has a type because between the people that we've seen him be interested in, I'm like clearly hey, Peter clearly has a type. Um, but yeah, I I love just seeing them work on a boat and be friends. You know, th- this whole thing started with Sam essentially trying to track Bucky down for Steve and, and them doing missions to try to find out Bucky's last whereabouts and, and doing all of this stuff for Steve. So it's great that now that their common friend is no longer with them, they are able to find some type of common ground with one another and bond. And it's just, it's very sweet. I, I really could have used like much more of that throughout this, this season of, of TV and I think that, you know, the character could have as well. I mean, maybe the reason that we ultimately see what seems like a goodbye before Bucky goes off is because he needs to go back to New York as soon as he can so that he can do his, like, biggest amends. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I I don't know. I just really... I, I loved all of that, like, you know, Bucky-Sam domesticity stuff. Yeah, for well, every... Think... Go ahead, Kevin. Uh, I was just going to say, for every scene that we had in previous episodes that was just 10 seconds of just like, Hey, just a reminder, Sharon Carter exists. Uh, we could just fill that with Bucky and Sam hanging out. Because Why do you hate those, Sharon Carter? I don't hate Sharon Carter. Those scenes are pointless. They're, they only <laughs> exist to continuously remind yeah. like, when she first shows up very like, yes, th- that made sense. Plot point. Yes. There, but every subsequent moment is just to remind the audience Sharon Carter exists. And this is going to be a thing in the final episode, I guess, which at this point, if the reveal is again, like she's a power broker, it's just like, okay, yeah, we figured you really dragged that, that reveal out. And uh, and uh, how we were talking right. about this before the show, how? she was flipped yeah. she, for five years. And then like for in six months, she becomes a multimillionaire art, Dealeress, listen. Like, white women can do anything if they put their mind to it. <laughs> this is just a lesson in pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, a la Val, and yeah. he'll click your way into a fortune. I mean, Latanya, you bring up a, a great point, and I think one of the most meaningful parts of a very incredibly meaningful conversation was when Sam said Steve is gone, because yeah. obviously, uh, not o- not only did yeah, not only does the Moon yeah, Man. 
The Moon Man was living rent-free in everyone's heads, though, right? Like, they, it's very clear that these were two guys that, while they had good banter, were sort of always thinking about Steve, especially when it came to the S.H.I.E.L.D. itself, to, like, what, you know, how would Steve feel about you giving up S.H.I.E.L.D.? And I think when you lose someone, and granted, I don't think that this Steve Rogers is dead. I just think, who the hell knows where he is? On the moon. (laughs) But I think when you state that loss, I think that's, like, a meaningful thing. You know, like you can almost build up this this narrative in your head of like, okay, Steve still exists like a he'll show up and solve everything here. But I think Sam outright saying Steve is gone. is just a very impactful statement, not only for Bucky, who, as we said, like very much has Steve on the brain with every decision that he makes. But also, I think it's a very meaningful statement for the series and for the franchise at large of Mm -hmm. like Steve Rogers is gone. He has left a large shadow that these people are trying to essentially fill in with their own respective shadows. But these characters are going to be figuring out things in a different way than Steve Rogers. And so I I think that was, I really love that part. And of course I loved do the work because again, connecting back John Walker with Bucky, what does John Walker say after he like, uh, you know, is about to walk away with the shield time to go to work. Uh, So I think clearly this idea of doing the work is still connecting these two characters two sides of a very very bloody coin Mm. oh we we also need to talk about joaquin torres a little bit yeah he got i mean (laughs) i mean there there's not much in there though uh there's not much that's left of them i agree with you Latanya. i love the image (laughs) of the wings being pulled off i mean let's also let's also talk about uh what's in the box i yeah i do think that it's i personally think it's abundantly clear it's going to be a new Captain America uniform with the wings incorporated, uh, sort of like the the white suit that we see in Sam's comics outfit. But I think the wings are going to be made of vibranium from Wakanda so that no jagoffs can just pull the wings off at any moment's <laughs> notice. Just single-handedly, you and the movie Buffaloed are just <laughs> bringing back jagoffs is something that we should all be saying. Um, I cannot wait to see what Shuri made. That that's how I feel. I I know that Shuri really did it up, and I cannot wait to see it. I I, I was joking, like he opens it, and it's and it, it very well could be the incorporation. But I love the idea if he opened it and it was just a Falcon costume, and he's like, "What the hell?" He's like, "You said you didn't want to shield. I made you this. <laughs> I made you this. Come on, it's from Wakanda." Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, think- I'm. Go ahead, Latanya. I was just going to say real quick, I just think it's it's it was very nice of Io to be like, sure, I'll do you another favor, Bucky. <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Fine, like, what do you want now? Yeah, what do you, you want have, You now? have a heavy invoice to pay, Barnes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to see what happens next. Yeah, White Wolf indeed. The Joaquin Torres stuff is interesting because, as we talked about before, this is a guy who became the new Falcon when Sam was Captain America in the comics, albeit through a very different method uh, than what's currently being shown. I mean, he did say in the first episode, right? He's like, uh, oh, I like, let me futz with that technology a little bit. So do you think it's likely that he rebuilds the wings that Sam currently, you know, had ripped away from him and mm-hmm. creates his own set here? I Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whether or not we'll see at the end of this, I doubt it, but uh, I think it's he something. He could show up. He could just the, the big final fight is the, is is the new new Avengers just uh, uh, Sam leading uh, Joaquin Torres and Bucky showing up in a new costume as well because why not um, yeah. <laughs> yeah it would be interesting <laughs> well he needs a costume right because like he can't just be in the Winter Soldier garb anymore especially while he's trying to become a new he's person got that so cool he, jacket <laughs> he can't just keep ripping all of the arms the, the left arms off of his jacket hey, you found you your know? sleeve <laughs> <laughs> that was a good line that was uh, good. Well, 
Let's get into some feedback here uh, from our listeners as we look ahead to the finale. Riley sent in a really interesting piece of feedback overall about the episode saying, I think my main piece of feedback is this is the most Falcon and the Winter Soldier episode of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier there has been. All the strengths and weaknesses of the show are showcased. The acting is insanely strong. The buddy duo of Bucky and Sam works very, very well. Seeing Sam come to terms with being Cap and what it means is so well done. Walker's story was predictable, however, insanely well acted and well done. Isaiah's scene and the messages and themes were incredibly well done, gutting and impactful. And yet, at the same time, the pacing is insanely off. Certain scenes ridiculously slow, while other scenes feel super rushed. The Flag Smasher stuff was very interesting in concept, however, was not fleshed out or explored well. And Sharon is so obviously the power broker that it is frustrating <laughs> and boring. So I guess to Riley's initial point there, what what do you think? Is this like the most quintessential Falcon and the Winter Soldier episode yet in terms of showcasing what it is good and maybe not so good at? I mean, I think maybe. I mean, that's sort of exactly where we landed here, right? Yeah. Like, I think Riley t- took our hour and a half podcast and summed it up in like a few sentences. Yeah, <laughs> Riley was just like, yeah, seriously, this could have been an email. <laughs> it's essentially what Ryan, <laughs> what Riley was saying. <laughs> it's it's very true though it's it has the unevenness that is the bad part that we talk about we, it has the issues with the script and diet like not not necessarily the dialogue uh but the pacing mm-hmm. uh which is what um kevin keeps talking about but it also has these like very uh poignant moments like the one with uh sam and isaiah bradley and it has you know the moments that happen at the farm and there's a full training montage just you know where sam was running on his right leaving room on his left yeah i think you have to (laughs) you know just in case just Uh, in case brooklyn zed who congratulations not only watched all the mcu movies uh (laughs) at a remarkable pace but also listened to all of our episodes up to this point said did it I was in awe of the conversation between Sam and Bucky talking about Steve and their feelings and emotions. It's so valuable for young people to see that from superheroes, but also just hug already. Uh, So, Latanya, you brought up in the first couple episodes, like, how valuable it was to see these super masculine guys in therapy. And to your point, though, we're sort of done with Dr. Felfi. This was kind of like an impromptu therapy session. How do you Mm -hmm. feel about uh, Zed's statement that, you know, uh, how valuable it is for younger people to see these two guys sort of like hug it out and talk through their difficulties while they're tossing the old shield around? It's really valuable because in these types of shows, things are more often than not settled with violence and fighting. Uh, So it's great to have, you know, part of this episode just be time to stop down and have some deep discussions about life and history in America. Um, and also like your role and each person's individual role in that. It's, it's really good for people to see that it is possible to be kind of like uh, essentially the masculine ideal while at the same time showing a more uh, like showing a softer side, showing that there's depth and like inter uh, there, there's like actual emotions that are going on under the surface and you're not just pushing them down anymore and getting on with the, with, you know, the work. So in this case, the work is the therapy that needs to be done. The work is the making amends and showing people that type of scene, as well as earlier iterations of Dr. Felfi and showing people in therapy 
those are, you know, and we know that Sam is a, is a counselor for vets. Those are the types of scenes that do leave an impact, especially on younger people that you don't just have to settle everything with, you know, with fisticuffs because I, I'm 80 years old. I feel like punching things in slow motion is the way to go. I feel like that's, <laughs> that's how you Specifically work Specifically in slow If you punch at a slow pace, it doesn't hurt too bad. It has Kevin, to be in slow motion. Everything. Kevin, let's cross the streams a little bit because Ethan last week made a comparison between John Walker and Harvey Dent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's, And he says this week, the scene of him speaking in a semi-business building with the government really mirrored the Dark Knight scene. And Russell speaks in a low, similar tone. So I'm assuming he's talking about Aaron Eckhart's uh, performance as Harvey Dent. And I just kind of feel like he's in the same vein of character, but worse. Although I guess it's kind of a tough comparison as that role is so iconic. What What do you think about this? Do you Do you see comparisons between the portrayals of Harvey Dent and John Walker between these two these two uh, pieces here? I mean, uh, only in the for me, it's only in the extent of like the idea of like the. Um, the 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 hero the hero wants versus deserves right like the whole thing mm-hmm. where John like like heart like Harvey John is supposed to represent this ideal that's going to be the better for um Gotham and you know and and for John the world uh, and then things go real south for for various reasons through through a loss of a person I think for Harvey it's a little more um it's not necessarily complicated, but like it, there's a lot there. Right. And like what it means and like to have to cover that stuff up uh, through uh, Batman and Gordon, whereas like John is a lot more public, but I think the dynamic pathos of like what it means to be, you know, designating yourself as the, 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 the hero, the city needs or the world needs versus the reality of it. I think I can see a little bit there in terms of that. Um, but I do think they're very different for for for, for many reasons. Uh, I do love that character in the Dark Knight. Though the Dark Knight's real good. All right, let's round the bases here. I want us all to each give one bold prediction for something that is going to happen in the finale of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, for for good or for bad. It could be something that we've been talking about this entire time. It could be a plot point that comes out of nowhere. But Latanya, do you have a guess as to something? that is absolutely guaranteed going to happen in the finale next week. We all love it and feel closure. Okay. <laughs> bold. bold. Especially you in said the day bold. Day. Very bold. <laughs> That's what the about boldest you, Kevin? that I could get. Um, man, that's actually really tough. I feel like there could, if they wanted to have a conversation with uh, Contessa and Zemo, could be an interesting post credits mm. set up like solidify like there's 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 a lot more going on here with, with that character and their shadiness or have her meet Nick Fury um, and Nick Fury is like a cameo at the end of the. Season. I just love that yeah every mid credits scene in a Marvel TV show has to be around Secret Invasion right because we got Monica <laughs> with the scrolls and yeah. now we're gonna get this like it's Secret Invasion is gonna be the new Avengers initiative in terms of mid credits post credit scenes. Yeah, quite possibly. Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I stated this last week, and LT, you mentioned it here. I think my bold prediction for next week, I don't want to see it, but I can imagine Bucky Barnes biting the the bullet, the many bullets yeah. that he pours out of his left hand here. I, I think that, the, talk about getting closure, I think there is a world I can see with the way things are going that Bucky is going to, you know, uh, Bucky's going to go, and that's even going to push Sam further to, I think, take up the shield and, like, do it for Bucky in a manner of speaking. I hope not, because they already have like with the side sidekick, 
um, partner being killed with Lamar. So I feel like that's a, I don't know. They could they could go that route and then be the parallel of oh god, that's exactly what oh and then great idea, do, Kevin. It? And then John Walker's like, hey, you need you need a buddy. I need a buddy. Let's work together. Oh, no, well, no. Now, now I'm seeing like they can totally do this because it's like a parallel for like if Bucky dies, it's the same as how Lamar dies and how Sam reacts can now parallel how John reacted yeah. by killing the person. Now Sam doesn't. So I can see that being like a possible way i really hope they don't i really hope, I they, hope don't. they don't kill bucky i <laughs> yeah, love was bucky. I even hope, yeah I, I, I like bucky but also i'm just kind of like ah that's just so like tripe i guess <laughs> i just i'm not i'm not as into that idea i would much prefer to just uh see mike eating a snake uh i think that would be my <laughs> i mean listen it's, it's gonna happen this. i actually uh oh, before no. we this podcast in incognito of course i've been researching like snake sausage <laughs> Oh no! Can we make it anything? I know that you were the one no, that came up with this sausage. So yeah, I think it. Well, I think unfortunately, it's like all but confirmed now. Unless because the big talk about I don't think we talked about this on the podcast though that the the talk before this episode was like oh there's this character debuting in episode five who is a comics character that like appeared in the MC, in, in Marvel productions before but hasn't appeared in the MCU. Of course, that turns out to be, of course, Madame Hydra. But people were saying, like, oh, could that be Wilson Fisk as Kingpin is actually the power broker? Maybe they bring this out at the last second and I'll have to eat a snake. You'll have to I eat don't a know. snake. Yeah, I, I mean, know. I know Kevin doesn't want Sharon Carter to be in the, in the finale at all. Um, I would have preferred her in the finale and then just not in what we've seen because it's just, <laughs> it's just a reminder, 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 she's here. She's here. Uh, Got to get that Marvel money. Uh, she'll be here and we'll all be here next week breaking down what I'm sure is going to be an eventful finale no matter what I think we are in for like Battle of New York part 2 no aliens involved in this one but a hell of a lot of super soldiers so I'm sure there's going to be a lot to get into we'll do a feedback show the week after that as well bringing back in Jersh Wagler or whatever his name is (laughs) that excellent inverse piece He'll, he'll come back in as we talk about also what's coming up after Falcon and the Winter Soldier on everything is super but I also know in the podcast sphere, we all have a lot of stuff going on. Latanya, I, I plugged the Top Chef podcast in your absence last week. So I, I, go, I noticed. Thank you. I'll go back to you, though, to, to give the, the formal pitch. Uh, people want to check out some more talkings that you do on the podcast sphere. What are you up to with the Top Chef podcast? Yes. So Top Chef podcast should be out on Monday. Uh, that's very fun. I am behind so i still haven't seen the episode so i get to do that tonight they uh, could snake oh great <laughs> no they don't i, I can't imagine that. <laughs> i wouldn't be surprised that would seem like the type of twist that tom would get very excited <laughs> <Tom> about <Colecchio>, snake. <laughs> it, <laughs> snake it, no, it would it would very much be like a last chance kitchen thing like oh you got snaked by this person when they <laughs> yeah. stole your syrup now you're gonna cook a snake <laughs> <laughs> exactly so <laughs> so Haley and kurt and i are really just like diving in and uh talking all about top chef which is wonderful and then i think kevin you and i on the uh very soon are going to be recording uh is it Re- revenge of the sith Revenge 
of the Sith. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> with with that guy, uh, Jersh Gurgler. He, he keeps coming up. <laughs> Jersh Grogu is going to be talking <laughs> to Kevin and about the Revenge of the Sith, a podcast that will be the, the exact opposite of no in terms of everyone <laughs> reacting to the podcast feed. Yeah. Uh, should be very great. So yeah, you're just doing like the, the, the what you did last time, right? Feedback, but also like compounded with general shenanigans as they call them about I the, think the this episode is three. Another, I think this is another duel of debates so this yeah, is going to be we're... one of those podcasts where people are like i hate you <laughs> about your opinions and i can't wait yes it's gonna be it's gonna be fun no i'm, and, I'm actually pretty excited yeah I, i'm I, i'll say for the podcast but there's there's definitely some stuff in revenge of the sith that i'm just like this is the best star wars thing ever i and still by have best, to watch I the movie ridiculous <laughs> i still have to watch it so we'll see and then, Kevin, I know that, of course, going on on the Posha Recaps patron uh, podcast feed, you're, of course, working with Melissa Woodward on coverage of the Mighty Ducks Game Changers, reaching the halfway quack, point quack. of the um, season. No, I think we're on episode four, so almost at a halfway point. Uh, I believe 10 episodes total, so we're, we're almost approaching there. Uh, and it's been it's been really fun uh, talking about the show, talking about the movies, but also playing some games in which I get to show off exactly how little sports knowledge I have. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Playing games about sports games. You can check all out as well as a bunch of patron-only content if you become a patron of Posture Recaps, which you can at patreon.com slash poster recaps a slew of incentives including a discord that is hopping at positively every minute of every hour of every day, including Friday mornings, just walls of text uh, about people giving their thoughts about this episode, which we are incredibly grateful for. And we've got one more week to talk about this before we move on to whatever comes next in the MCU. I absolutely cannot wait. As mentioned before, if you don't want to use the Discord to post your feedback, of course, you can always email us, super at postshowrecaps.com, or you can tweet at us, at Kev Mahadeo, at LK Starks, at a Mike Bloom type, and of course, at postshowrecaps. So, we're going to be back next week to go one last time, one last fly here as we're going to talk about the supersized finale of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Thank you all for listening to this supersized podcast. Cannot wait to see what happens and cannot wait even more to discuss it all. Thank you all so much for listening. Until next week, dismissed. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.